Halo. Welcome to the Last Doctoras podcast. I am Dr. Christina Rose, pronouns she, her. I am Dr. Renee Limas, pronouns she, her. In this podcast, we make space for important conversations about the social issues that affect our lives and the lives of other marginalized people. We talk with thinkers, scholars, mothers, writers, and other visionaries invested in taking a hard look at the oppressive social dynamics of the world and doing the work of dismantling all structures of power. We are grounded in a connection to ancestral wisdom, academic research, Research and lived experience while we sit together and share our insights, ponder ideas about how to heal from the generational trauma of white and male supremacy. Join us on our journey, not toward perfection, but into reflection of the multidimensional and complex experience of humanity, attempting to survive and thrive within the oppressive power systems we live in, all while we sit at our kitchen tables, sipping on some tequila, hoping to change the world. Bienvenidas! Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Las Doctoras podcast. Um, I also want to say that we are actually celebrating our one year anniversary of the podcast um, as of November 26th. Um, That is when we released our first episode. Um, So we're really excited that here we are a year later. we haven't exactly had an opportunity to celebrate it. Um, we've just been so busy with our semesters and with our other projects. So, um, but we're really hoping that we can get an opportunity to to celebrate that and commemorate that. So, um, yeah, thanks for being around. If you've um, just recently discovered us, welcome. And um, okay, so in this episode, we are talking with Carolina Adame and Marla Sanchez. Um, who are our co-contributors for the book that we're writing, Semillas de las Abuelas. Um, If you're not familiar with that book project, you can follow us on Instagram at Semillas de las Abuelas. Um, In September, we actually had an event that launched our crowdfunding campaign. Um, And so that crowdfunding campaign actually ends today, November 27th. So if you are listening today, please... um, Head on over to the link in the show notes. You can also see the link at our at the bio in our Instagram. Um, if you are listening beyond um, November 27th, um, I would still encourage you to go take a look um, at uh, what other sort of opportunities there are to contribute to our project. So again, you can still click on the link um, in the bio in our Instagram or in the, in the um, link in our show notes, and you can um, see how you can continue to contribute to our project. So um, we're talking to, you know, our co-contributors on this um, project, um, and the conversation happened a little bit after that event that we had, and we start our conversation by reflecting on that event and the feeling of inspiration it brought to um, brought us all to continue our work on this book. Um, you know, it's been really interesting that we've, aside from Christine and I um, working on this podcast for a year, we've also been, um, you know, there was, it was this time last year, it seemed like there was a lot of um, energy, a lot of motivation, a lot of inspiration to kind of start multiple projects. So aside from, um, having this podcast be a year old, we've also been working on this book project um, for actually a little bit more than a year. Um, and so, um, you know, it's it's we've been sort of trekking along, trying to write this book, trying to create the content for this book. Um, but also, you know, again, we've we at some point we're coming up to a point when, you know, we started having conversations about really trying to explore you know, what are our publishing options? Um, But, you know, finding that we don't have the, you know, we don't really understand the publishing world. So we have sort of limitations around, you know, our our resources in that way. Um, But also really just thinking about, you know, self-publishing options, um, but also thinking how much money that would require. So it really set us to, you know, we really need to be able to have some funding regardless of 
what kind of publishing option we end up pursuing. We need some funding there so that it can, you know, help us to, um, you know, to, to motivate us, but also if we need to be able to use that funding towards publishing. So anyway, all of this is to say that, you know, um, this is what inspired us to do this crowdfunding event so that, you know, we can reach out to our community and, and they can help us sort of um, get some funding so that we could really bring, you know, this book to life. Um, but what's really interesting is that, you know, in the process of writing this book, aside from creating the content itself and thinking about the different ways that we can bring this book to life, what we realized was, um, you know, and in this conversation, you'll hear us really reflect on the process of working on this book together and what it has brought up for each of us, right? So beyond just coming together to collaborate on this book, there's also been this um, community among the four of us that has been built, this sort of support network. Um, and so we kind of each talk about what that has meant for us and um, how it's contributed to um, to writing the book and how writing the book has contributed to our own like personal sense of self. Um, so it's a really interesting conversation. Um, we also continue our conversation by talking about how the, um, the process of the book and the attention of this book is also rooted in the need for healing. So ultimately what we've realized is how coming together over the last year or so, um, has has created this space for us to have conversations that maybe we don't have in other places and and just what that's offered us in terms of our own healing journeys um and so we think um this book serves to heal many of the generational wounds we suffer from as well as our ancestors so i think that's kind of the um I hope that that's kind of the theme of the conversation is how much healing it's brought us and and then how much healing we hope that this book can bring um, anyone who reads this book, right? Um, So yeah, so we think this book serves to heal those generational wounds, right? That generational trauma, wounds that stem from oppressive systems of power like colonization, white white supremacy, and patriarchy that manifest themselves in education, community building, environmental racism, etc. You'll hear us sort of talk about all these different themes um, and our, our the ways in which we feel impacted by them and then the ways in which we feel like this book could help heal a lot of those wounds. Um, and of course, this is only part of a larger conversation that we had. Um, we had about an hour and a half conversation, um, which you're not, you're only going to hear just a small portion of that. Um you know, and just because it would make for just too long of an episode. So, you know, maybe in another episode, we'll release the rest of the conversation. There was a lot of really important parts of the conversation. But um, again, I, it, you know, I, I, I really want to center this episode in terms of like what the process of this book has brought us. And then also so you can hear, you know, what we think this book is really about, you know. Um, let's see. Ultimately, I think that um, here you'll hear us talking about um, ultimately what I think you'll hear us talking about is how much healing um, writing this book has already brought us and how healing is part of our intention in writing this book. Um, It might seem like, you know, because I think we keep talking about how it's a collection of recipes and celebrations and songs and stories um, and photographs and visuals, you know, and, and really sort of a means to document um, those things that are coming, you know, those gifts that were given to us by our ancestors, by our grandmothers in particular, um, you know, by our abuelas. Um, but it's, it's also about more than that. It's a book that is also about integrating a way of being, a way of living, a way of knowing that honors the history and ways of our ancestors, right? And a lot of times, um, again, aside, you know, I think we've argued for the importance of documenting, you know, our recipes and our celebrations and our stories because those 
um, traditions have often been erased through assimilation, through colonization. Um, but like I said, it's also just these ways of understanding the world, right? The ways in which we look at the world. It's a much sort of deeper spiritual connection um, to our ancestral ways that has also been erased by assimilation and by colonization. And we really want to be able to um, to hold on to those things, right? It's not just about the recipe itself, but it's maybe even about um, the emotion and the love that goes into making that recipe, right? So when we think about, for example, when, you know, uh, um, Christmas season is coming up and if we make tamales, making tamales isn't just about, okay, you make the masa like this and you make the chile like this and then you, you know, you put the masa in the hoja and, and all of these things. It's not just about the sort of, sort of logistical um, mechanisms, right, that we use to, to make, you know, these dishes, but it's about the love, the emotion, right? The gathering of family, you know, in my family, you know, like in many families, we all come together, you know, at somebody's house and <clears throat> we spend all day, right? Making tamales all day. And so it's it's as much about being together with family and making these this dish together as much as it, as it is about you know preserving the recipe itself so i think that's really what we want to what we feel like this book is about it's much more than just sort of a collection of all these things um but really about like what does it mean to be um um to be making these recipes what does it mean to be telling these stories you know um so this is about grounding our everyday lives in a deep spiritual spiritual connection to our ancestors so that we may on one hand, really recognize the oppressive social dynamics by which we live, right? Recognize how important it is to hold on to, to these traditions. Um, and then really, we feel like it's through these traditions, through the practice of, th of these traditions, through the spiritual connections um, to our ancestors, that we can really allow ourselves and our children to survive and thrive in spite of these oppressive social dynamics, and then actually push back, right, against these forces, and really eventually work toward our liberation, right? Um, you know, in, in the introduction of our book, we talk a lot about, about this process, right? It's, it's, you know, the work is simultaneously about maintaining our traditions, about having a spiritual connection, but also recognizing that in doing so, we're pushing back against these these oppressive forces, white right supremacy, patriarchy, um, continual, you know, cultural genocide, right? All of these things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, I, I, I really want to communicate how much, how um, deep we hope that this book is right um there's the, the practical um part of it um but there's also this sort of deep spiritual part of it as well and um i think that's what our conversation is really trying to get at because of the ways just even the process of writing this book has allowed us to tap into those things so um yeah i hope you enjoyed this episode um and um, I hope you continue to follow our project. Um, and please, you know, again, we, we really want to be able to bring this, this project to life and, and we need as much help as we can get with that, right? Whether it's financial help or whether there's somebody out there willing to help us figure out how to navigate the publishing world. So um, anyway, thank you for listening and enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Las Tacoras podcast. We are here recording and in my home. In your home. I have a home. And you're all here. It's in my living room. <laughs> and I love this living room and I'm glad that you all do too. So we so we launched our campaign. Uh -huh. Um yeah. and um I, you know, I think we might actually be able to do it. Like <laughs> Takeaway from the event, like, <laughs> oh my god, if we can really do this, <laughs> I think it can happen. Um, I, I, yeah, that's what I kept thinking. Um, when, when we, when I kept seeing money come in, because it's one thing like in the abstract, yeah, right, yeah. and then you're like, that is actual dollars, <laughs> that is actual money that we can actually use to make this come to life. So mm -hmm. it's, I think it's 
more real than it's ever been. And it'll just keep getting more real, right? Um, I wanted to us to talk about, um, you know, in the last time we were on the, we were all on the podcast together, we kind of talked about what the book was and what our inspiration was and, um, you know, what is, you know, sort of the, the practicality, the practical things that are going to be in the book. Um, but I think that over the course of a year that we, over the year that we've been working on it, um, the process has brought us so much. And so I kind of wanted us to talk about that. You know, what has the process of, of coming together, the four of us, you know, we, I think we've been meeting every month pretty consistently. Um, and what that sort of means to come together every month and, you know, um, and, and come together in making this book and, you know, just even outside of the book, like what it's brought to us. So, um, I have so much enjoyed being able to come and I've, I've been working on healing my chakra, my throat chakra. Ooh. And all that yeah. sounds really pretty, you know, and it's like, <laughs> we're all about like healing work. That shit blows. <laughs> it is that, so fucking hard. It's not just like Florida water on your, no, <laughs> it has been, I feel like getting together with y'all has me has been beautiful and it's like empowered me my voice and it's allowed me to find ways to use my voice to stand up for myself to stand up for other people to stand up for the things I believe in but the crappy thing is is that a lot of people and especially like in our families at times that is seen as such a negative thing mm. and oh. so writing this book where we're talking about reconnecting to our, our roots and the ways of our ancestors and our traditions as a Chicana who was born here has been really like full of, um, what is it called? Like, uh, like things that are not jiving, you know, mm. and it's been really hard because it's like, on the one hand, I feel very connected more than ever to my ancestors and more disconnected from my living family. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Because my living family cannot accept my voice. Mm. Um, when I'm standing up for myself, mm. it's seen as you're the one stirring up shit. You're the mm. one who's making this hard. Mm. And that's a really hard place to be in. Yeah. And so while this process has been really beautiful and empowering and I feel really amazing about passing this on to my kids and I have my kids reaffirming to me mm-hmm. that I'm doing a good job mm-hmm. that they are grateful for this work and the other work that I do that is for you know not like when I when I do my work it's not just for me this book is not just for me yeah. my work in the community is not just for me yes it will benefit me maybe but it's going to benefit my kids hopefully mm-hmm. and the generations that come it's not even about me yeah. um but it's so hard to be in that space because while I, on the one time, um, on the one hand, I have this amazing community, yeah. but where I feel like our communities really lack is that family acceptance. And there are so many of us that don't have that because maybe we're queer yeah. or, you know, we live life a little bit differently or we're not quiet when they and want us to be quiet. Way. Yeah. That makes it really hard. I resonate so much and I hadn't actually drawn, I think we drew this together in such a strong way that I hadn't yet. Um, my living family, my, is, I, you know, I've always been, um, maybe more likable or, um, just going the flow, passing all these different things. And so for them, I feel like they are, they're like, who are you? Um, why are you so angry? I was like, well, this is something to be angry about, you know. Um, honestly, I, I I feel like I really connect with you on that. I think for the you know the generation before us, our, our parents had their own like journey, and they were religious, cultural, you know, assimilating and ways to survive that maybe we don't have to do any longer. And I think there is something happening where yeah, my we're not talking right now. Because I want to just be respected and heard, mm-hmm. and they want me to be not mm-hmm. not stirring things up. My my old self, you know, um, and it's painful. Mm-hmm. And every time I 
I do raise, you know, the questions around these are traditions I want to bring back. Why you got to do that? We didn't raise you to be like that. We raised you to be American, you know, basically, um, <clears throat> or calling out white privilege or calling out that, what you, or calling out male privilege too. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you always got to go there? Do you not know I teach gender and ethnic studies? <laughs> <laughs> do you not know my whole, like, when you say this, you say that, you know, race and sex, racism, sexism isn't a thing. I'm like, <laughs> that's what I feel. <laughs> that's how I understand the world. That's a lens that I see the, the world through. And so I feel like we can't, we are like, and I, I don't want to be binary. It's not like they're on another side of the yeah. fence or something like that, but we are, speak a very different language and I feel like the language that they speak had no space for me you know growing up no no space and um I'm just trying to name that and I think this group has allowed me to feel like the the power um the ability you know the permission something you know that somehow we've been seeking I've been seeking I think that both what we're how this sort of is, is playing out it really speaks to the deep, deep, deep generational wound mm-hmm. um, that goes so far back. You know, you saying, you know, there's there's always this sort of promise of assimilation, right? What supremacy says is if you assimilate, you will get all the benefits of white supremacy, even though we know that that's a false promise, mm-hmm. and it's always played out in that way. Um, but the, especially for Latinx people, we buy into for a really long time you know we've bought into this like if we just play the game you know we'll get we'll get the benefit and um and so i think there it, it speaks to a, a, a you know long history of generational wounds um and i think for me this comes up um you said something like if i don't do it who is gonna do it and I think about that in terms of like healing, right? And there's a lot of talk about like healing generational wounds and that we're doing it both for our ancestors and for our descendants, right? Like, and, um, and sometimes I, I feel like, like I get it. I know that this is my responsibility. I know that this is why I was put on this earth because all my ancestors had to go through what they had to go through had to endure what they had endured in order for me to be in this time and this place with these abilities, with this space, you know, to do the work that I have to do. Um, and yet sometimes I feel a little like overwhelmed by it. I'm like, that's a lot. Like that's a, I'm trying to, I'm trying to unpack my own shit. Like, you know, I'm trying to like, you know, see, navigate my own, complicity in these things right my own assimilation my own like you know navigating all of these privileges um and then I have to go and also do that for my kids (laughs) I know right and I'm like I I'm trying to to unpack it for myself so sometimes I find myself in this place where I don't know I don't have a language to do it for them because I'm still learning that language. It's fascinating. <laughs> you know, the couple things that you said, I feel like, you know, that the fact that we have um, children, you know, assigned male at birth, like also plays into this. How do we talk about privilege and oppression in ways that understand gendered and racial and somehow also thrive in our lives and have say <laughs> you can thrive in your life too, you know, um, I always say that we were not given the manual on how to raise decolonized children, <laughs> but we were absolutely given the manual on how to raise colonized children. Totally. Um, and we're continue, we continue to, to feed that manual, right? Like that is, that is our world. And so it takes, it takes so much intentional work to give our kids a language. And I, I, I say this because I think about even um, you know, teaching my kids Spanish. I, 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 there's, I don't know what it is. There's this block in me to be able to really do that for my kids. Um, and I think it's a lot of internalized stuff. Um, because even when I speak Spanish, I'm still like, uh, you know, like what is, you know, I'm not great at it or I still have all these like barriers around it. And then because 
I'm white passing. I don't want people to presume that I'm just trying to pretend that I speak Spanish, right? Like, um, and so, you know, and I, but I also have to like recognize the privilege in being in a white passing body, right? Like, so there's a lot that I'm in my head about. And then it's like, how do I talk to my kids, right? Or when we're talking about gender, it's like, I'm still figuring out what gender means for me. And then I'm supposed to teach my kids about like, <laughs> this is why we get along so well. Non-binary <laughs> gender. Like, so it's, and, and I think that this is, um, in the process, right? Being, coming together, um, well, coming together, I think it's had me reflecting on that more. Like, if we are writing this book, you know, for our children, it just, it's really been highlighting how much I still have left to unpack. Um, and then also just trying to like have compassion for myself, right? Like we don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to be perfect at it in order for us to teach our kids something better. They're still going to have their own things that they have to unpack, right? Like we're not going to do this in one generation. We're not going to heal seven, seven, seven back and seven forward in one generation, right? Like it's got to be, uh, we've got to at least start the process. And so I've um, been able, like this has really brought up a lot of that for me. Um, but coming together has allowed me a space to like talk those things out too, right? I feel like when we come together, we're always like, you know, aside from like, okay, what are we putting in the book? It's like, so what's going on? Like, what are you doing with your kids? How are we like really sort of navigating these things? And I don't really have another space to do that. You know, as much as I teach gender studies, I mean, I'm coming with kids who are like, right? Like I'm just trying, we're trying to like open up a new world and um, the deeper conversation. And there's not a lot of people in my life as supportive as they are, you know, um, they don't speak that language and sometimes like, I don't want to keep spending time like <laughs> interpreting, <laughs> right. right? Like, and, so, and even though I do, because, you know, I love them, but I love being in a space where we can all kind of speak the mm-hmm. same language and we can just be like, all right, like, let's just let it all out and let, oh, great, you know, figure. So for me, that's what this process has been is a place to come together to kind of talk about these these things that and all of it is is not just going into the book itself but going into the sentiment that's beneath the book like a container a space a support group or something for decolonial you know non-binary kind of conversations just that's the that's the space that we're trying to create and actually i i know we want to continue but i was saying i just had this epiphany when you said you know that when we buy into colonial thinking, we never succeed. And for some reason, I had this understanding. I just got this. If we buy into like binary gendered, you know, ways of being, we don't, we do not ever win either. You know, I just had this clarity in that moment. I thought, oh, that's how I want. That's the the, the lens or the, what I, the question I want to pass on to my child, you know? Yeah. I think for me, it, it, yeah, it has really created a space to, just create a space, mm. you know, it's just about having a space that was never there before. And, you know, going back to what Marla was saying, it's also the realization that, you know, there's, there's only so much that we can take responsibility for. Um, seeing people in our family, you know, where, where they're at at the moment. And at the same time, celebrating that we are here, even, mm. even, even so, even despite, yeah. despite, yes, you know, despite, wow, look where I'm at, despite all of this, all of this work that needs to be done. Somehow I'm here, you know, whether it's because of our own doing other people in our family that have done the work. It's a beautiful thing to be able to say, we're here. You know, we're here and we're making, we're making this book. We're writing this book. <laughs> wow. Not only am I here, but, it, and it's also allowing yourself to celebrate that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, at first I was like, oh, yeah, we're writing this book. And, uh, <laughs> but as the process has gone, it's just like, it's okay to say, 
I am writing this book, you know, <sighs> um, without feeling the fear of people questioning me. Mm. Like, really? You are? What? what? What are you doing? You know? Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to be able to stand in your power and really believe that you have something to contribute, mm-hmm. yeah. that you have something to say, and that it's valuable, right? Yeah. And I think the fact that we come together every month, it's just a beautiful thing to to feel that love every month. It's just organically, I think, kept us in this space of like, keep going, keep going, yeah. you know? And yeah, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Like, keep going in the book. Keep, keep going, going in keep our going daily lives. Right? Keep yeah. going in, in motherhood. <laughs> yeah. Keep going in motherhood. I think we all have different layers of what it means to do the work in our families. Yeah. You know, and for some of us, it looks, it looks different, right? I think for me, you know, being the, one of the first people, my sister and I at the same time to, to homeschool, Mm. That's such a new thing. Yeah. It's so new. And we, you know, we haven't had like a lot of resistance in our families, but I think there's been just a lot of resistance in myself. Of, mm. um, you know, am I doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Like, should be, should they be better off not doing it? There's no, know? there's no precedence for it. Uh, right. Oh. Yeah. What is it, you know, what does it look like to be a Latina homeschooler? Yeah. What does that look like? <laughs> I have no idea. And does it, is it supposed to look like anything? Mm. You know? And I think maybe that helps. <laughs> that I, that I, I feel like it's really it. ironic also yeah. that, I mean, if we look at like our families, like how far back do we go, have to go to see like our parents' education line? Mm-hmm. You know? Cause yes, it's a new thing. Like me too. I'm the first one to homeschool. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, my mom and her sisters didn't get their whole, you know, K through 12 mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. because they were living in a time and in a situation where that wasn't the norm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, my grandmother also, like, I think, I don't even think she finished high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my so, mom, um, I think she got up to the fourth grade. My grandma got third, got third grade. grade. Yeah. Um, yeah, here I am, like, coming from a mom who only went up to fourth grade, you know, I was able to finish high school, go to college, get her master's, try to find a book. It's like, yay! Yay! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do it in ways that are authentic to us, too, because yeah. that story can be like, oh, you know, it's like a hospital birth, you know, or something like that when, you know, families um, had home births. It's like, why didn't you, why are you having a home birth with yeah. me? came to the U.S. so that you could, you know, give yeah. birth, you know, yeah. in a hospital with, like, white doctors and everything like that. And um, doing it in a way that says, no, yes, you did that. You did that so I could have the freedom to choose and be authentic to who, who we are. And so I'm going to do this and going to homeschool so that I'm, like, you know, I'm going to. You know, I, I feel very... Fortunate, and I always have to remind myself for as much as my mom and I sometimes have things, <laughs> um, moments, um, and, you know, it's, it's gotten better over the years, but, um, she, her thing was, um, you know, cause she, she, my grandmother, her mom, third grade education, and then she, she graduated high school, but she always, she loved school and she always wanted to be able to call, go to college until she couldn't, and so, her lifelong dream was for us to go to college. Like that was her, she couldn't even see like what, what was beyond that. Right. Like she had no, she was like, all I knew was that you going to college could would give you the freedom of choice, mm-hmm. more of a freedom of choice than we had. And so I think she, I, I've been lucky in that she has been very supportive of all these different things that I've um, gotten involved in. Um, and I think that that's um, for me, it's, it's it's made it all sustainable for me um but i think it's also really interesting how and i want us to kind of speak to to like um we were talking before we were recording the idea like we're four women mm-hmm. with as much as we have similarities there's we're still four different women coming from four different experiences 
um, even within those similarities and that we've been able to come together in, um, and this process has been so, um, so positive, you know, and, um, and I think that there are perceptions oftentimes that when women come together, there's going to be, you know, weird things or cattiness or, you know, um, and I think that, um, for me, that's also like really powerful to be in a place where we can like, we can see each other for our differences. Um, and maybe even when it's like, it brings stuff up for us, <laughs> or maybe I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> um, but then I'm like just reflective of that and, and saying like, okay, like how can we, you know, how can we work together without us all having to be on the same page every second of the day. <laughs> um, maybe that is key. Like, mm-hmm. I, it does. This, this brings up a lot of things that come up in my family or come up within myself, come up with my larger family. And I feel like the impetus or the, the solution the, is to, to go in, to think about it, to make some changes, to come to a better relationship with myself and then come back to you all. And maybe we're at this age in our life, <laughs> or I don't know, or we're mothers or something in our life has, has it, it, I resonate with that. It's like feelings, thoughts, take it back to the self, integrate, come back with true self, you know, and bring it into a deeper place. At least that's how I experience that. Um, that's my experience. I agree with that. I'm turning 43 tomorrow. Woo! <laughs> 43! And, yeah, I feel like there's no room for nothing that doesn't belong anymore. You know, there is just no room for things that are not authentic. And, you know, I think that so much of our lives were trying to live up to or trying to fit in or even, I don't know, it's so much has felt like not, like I'm in the body, but I'm not, you know, and to start to be in a place because I don't think that I'm, you know, we're not completely there, but to be in a space where, like, okay, this is who I am, and take it or leave it, yeah. you know, I think that um, that speaks a lot about just the journey, you know? Yeah. And I think that's, that's, that's really what I wanted to be able to highlight in this conversation is the journey, right? Because it's one thing to be writing a book and there's all the logistics of it and there's all the like, okay, we have to, you know, formatting and, and we've, you know, we've had sort of ongoing conversations about that. But I think there's something the manuscript, right? There's something to be said about just kind of enjoying the journey itself, right? Without me, like, obviously our end goal is to actually have this thing manifest. Um, but ultimately just enjoying the process of, of it coming together. Um, and I think that that is, so the, cause the other kind of topic I wanted us to be able to get into is, um, like what makes this project different from other projects. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I wanted to bring that question up because I think that, um, it's this kind of stuff that there's depth there, right? We're not just, um, collecting all of our recipes and craft ideas, right? And like throwing them in a book. And making it look cute. And making it look <laughs> cute. <laughs> but there's this depth there, yeah. right? Both in terms of the, the process and then what it could mean for somebody buying this book, you know, and having it in their home. Like remembering, right? You know, remembering, which I I think of Koyoshaku actually in this moment. Like literally, like we are doing the work of bringing like the members of the stories of the all. Like remembering is a you know a sacred thing, and it's something that um, is lost you know in certain generations. And to remember is challenging, you know. Um, and so I think we're doing that work, and we are bringing you know. As in, as with Koyoshaki, back together, you know? Um, yeah. 
I think, I think I want us to kind of talk about like, what do we think that, um, you know, because, and we've kind of spoken to this before that when we look out there in the scope of similar books, you know, they're all very Eurocentered, they're all very white centered, um, and that obviously we're bringing, um, a cultural lens, but I think there's something deeper there. I think it's, it's much more than just like, oh, we're writing this book from the Latino perspective, right? I think there's a depth there that we, we aren't. Well, I think there's definitely a layer of healing mm. to it, right? I, you know, like the other day, my mom was making salsa, and I was at her house doing some work, and she said, Así como se hace la salsa de, you know, and she'll do that. <laughs> you know, she'll just say, like, Así se hace, así, así, you know. and I'm not going to remember, obviously, you know, what, what she's how to do it. I'm, you know, my brain doesn't work that way. I have to be like, okay, wait, where's <laughs> me? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It's just, say what I were to, we were to choose to put that recipe in the book. It's like, it's, it's a form of healing, you know, of her being able to share that recipe with her daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being in her home that she bought, you know, mm. it's just like, it's not just the recipe, you know, it's everything that came with it. Healing maybe that she hasn't done in her own life. Mm-hmm. And us and me being able to not heal for her, but know and accept that maybe it won't, the healing won't happen for her, but I can, I can heal. Yeah. And doing it as a form of thankfulness. Or the yeah. sacrifices, right? That that she's made for me, and it, yeah, it just, it feels like it's just so much more. I, I I that really resonates with me. I think so. My grandmother's eighty four, and um, and I feel like more than ever, and I'm not sure why. If it's because of her age, or if it's because um, she knows what I do, but she's just always very um. I, I feel like she's hungry mm. and desperate to put everything down to like, you know, she'd be like, Oh, I have all these sort of, I should really write them down. And I feel like she's journaling a lot more. Um, and so I think that there is a, a way in which there were, there are previous generations that are doing healing in their own way. But I think they also see, well, at least in my, my example, I do think that my grandmother sees what I'm doing as, like something that she always maybe wanted to do, but couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so she's kind of like here, right? Like take every, she gave me recently a book of my, my grandmother's recipes that were like handwritten in this tiny wow. little book. And it's really interesting. So my great grandmother, um, yeah. And like, yeah. And, and so my great grandmother, um, um, lived during the time of the depression, um, and she was a single mother and she had all these kids and she couldn't afford to keep them. So my grandmother and her siblings went and lived with the nuns. She would say, when I lived with the nuns, she lived in a convent for years. I have that story in my family yeah, too. It, I mean, you're in New Mexico, right? Like Texas. And so um, what's really interesting when you look at like those stories and then you look at the history of what was happening at the time. So after the Mexican-American War, um, you know, there was this big influx of particularly like Protestant, um, women communities going into these Mexican communities and having government sanction what they refer to as Americanization programs. Yeah. And what they would do is they would teach them like, don't speak Spanish, don't mm-hmm. te- cook your traditional food, come and cook, I don't know, fucking like pot pie or something. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. And I say that because my grandmother has a recipe for pot pie. And a lot of the recipes she has are these very, like, and my, gra- my grandma says that my grandmother's pot pie was, like, really good. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And so I think it's funny because in this book, there's a lot of these, like, like pound cake, like, these interesting recipes. But she was also the one that made the mamas. And she was also the one that made nopales, right? So she has... So she was able to kind of play the assimilation game while also, and she was like, she still spoke Spanish at home. Like she was not going to, you know, so she was able to sort of navigate these 
um, colonization and assimilation in an interesting way, right? Um, and so I think those are those are gifts, right? Um, but again, I think it for me it just brings up like I think there is a generation that's so hungry to say like you know we need to, we need to do you know you know or sees you. I mean I'm sure that probably comes up because she's like you're writing this book, right? <laughs> She asked me, she's like, did you like the food? No, and I was like, yes, I love it. Thank you so much. For anybody that has met my mom, it's like she is a giver, and she gives through her food. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that, you know, she's just so selfless. Yeah. You know, when she goes to her home, she comes to park day with us sometimes. You know, on Fridays, and she always takes food. And, you know, it's not only for my kids, but all the kids know, like, (laughs) (laughs) and I love that because I think that, um, she has, she never found, I don't think she ever found herself, you know, but I, I know that that feels like something that she can offer. Yeah. You know, and I think it's ironic that, you know, I'm homeschooling and, you know, our philosophy is very kind of like eclectic unschooling. <laughs> you know, I really value my kids having time to play and go out and learn the real world. You know, I think it's a little ironic that my kids have that coming from maybe grandparents that never really got to play. You posted yeah. that article, right? That was about brain development yeah. and how they thought yeah. that brain you know, finishes developing at five because of tests we had done on animals that were brought into captivity whose brains stopped, stopped <coughs> developing once they were in captivity. <coughs> and I and so that is just that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, number one, when we think about what they were testing and how they applied that to you know our children or whatever. Um, but also thinking about how captivity, and I think that's a strong word, <laughs> heart condition, everyone, um, ca- captivity, what is, how do we define captivity and how does that stop developing our brains? Like, you know, that's another yeah. podcast. <laughs> that is another podcast, you know? Yeah. How many of us were our creativity stunted yes. because... We were told reading and writing and math is is the marker of true development and learning, and not writing and singing and dancing. So and even that, like access to open spaces, like that's something that I'm really yeah. involved with right now because of where I live. And it's like if we know as a society mm-hmm. how much open space and access to open space affects our mental health, affects mm-hmm. our physical health. Mm-hmm. How can you like? consciously say oh no we're not going to have any more parks in Santana well we you know? know why they can say that because who lives in Santana yeah right yeah. it's like okay let's ha- in Newport Beach we can have that mm-hmm. and in Costa Mesa we can have that <laughs> but um, oh yeah I mean that's all like totally part a continual part of the colonial project absolutely right? and i think there is an understanding that that captivity that limitation the limitations is like the, the, the structure the you know binding is creates creates like hunger creates you know need and people are being fed you know holistically yes. you know yeah. when i was in high school i read thomas moore's utopia and like the big mm. well from, even from that like dumb ever after cinderella <laughs> You're creating this society where you are making thieves mm-hmm. and then you're punishing them for it. Yeah. You know, and it's <gasps> that whole concept has really informed a lot of who I am. Because I feel like you're you're keeping us from access to healthy foods. You're keeping us from access to help to open spaces. Yeah. You're forcing us into situations where there's overcrowding in our houses and nobody has anywhere to just exist for free. Mm. And then you're pissed at us when we're angry. You're pissed at us when we're taking to the streets. And you put us in jail. And yeah. Oh, don't. Oh. <laughs> don't right. even get me started. And you arrest and you, yeah. It's ridiculous. Like, just walking down my own street, the cops are stopping us and being like, where do you live? You know? And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And then you wonder why I'm pissed. 
You wonder why I can't be quiet. You wonder why I'm breaking down and crying all the time. It's because you're creating this system and, and our own people are recreating the system Mm -hmm. where we cannot be. (laughs) They're coming at, they're coming at it from all, all sources, right? So they're saying like, these are the laws and policies that are going to work against you, right? That we're purposely making to work against you. And then if you are going to be upset about those, we're also going mm-hmm. to create laws and policies to silence that, right? Yes. So they're getting you from, from all like ends. Um, so I know it seems like a little bit of an abrupt end to the episode, but again, I really want to highlight the conversation around healing. Um, I think towards the end there, we were really beginning to articulate a lot of those wounds and a lot of the ways in which those we have been able to reflect on how those wounds have impacted, you know, our grandmothers, our mothers, um, and then how they continue to impact us and our communities. Um, And again, this is just one part of a larger conversation we had um, and, um, and, you know, hopefully we'll get to releasing that at some point. Cause I think there was some, you know, it went into a really, really important direction. Um, but for this episode, I just wanted to sort of showcase one, how deep those wounds go. I think at the end, that's what you're hearing. You're hearing this sort of frustration of us really, um, articulating how, um, how these wounds are, you know, particularly around education, and around community structure, right? And how we have this recognition of where all that comes from and that it's, you know, part of colonization and we're continuing to sort of live within these sort of colonized structures, within these structures of, you know, white supremacy and patriarchy. Um, and, you know, and so again, it's it's highlighting those things and, um, and, and you know, by the end of our conversation um, and by the end of a lot of our conversation. So this is sort of like an insight into the kinds of conversations that we've been having throughout the year. Um, we really always end up to, to coming to the place of, and this is why we need this book, right? Because we can have this conversation, you know, about like, okay, what's, what's up with the educational system? What is it not giving us? What is it fail? How is it failing us? Um, and then how can we as, um, mothers or as, you know, caretakers, as parents kind of put that back into our hands and being able to be the educators of, of our children. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean homeschooling, right? Um, even if our kids are going to, to traditional schools, to public schools, wherever they may be going, um, we can still sort of be their educators at home and, and bring in these sort of, um, other, other ways of being, other ways of knowing. Um, and again, I think that that's what our, our book is doing, right, is is on one hand helping homeschoolers to have some sort of foundation, um, but even if you're not homeschooling, right, to give them sort of supplemental ways to understand, you know, the world and understand their culture, understand, um, you know, life and, yeah, th- those different kinds of things. So anyway, um, thank you for listening to this episode. Again, please, please, please make sure that you're following us both at Las Doctoras and um, at um, Semillas de las Abuelas too to continue to see our project and to contribute to our project. So thank you for listening.